Well, well, welcome back to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. Today's episode is about fear. Please be advised that the music and the atmosphere are designed to unsettle, and the subjects discussed by our contributors may be upsetting to some. Trigger warnings include snakes, sharks, abandonment, grandfathers, dentistry, lobster puppets, blood, and all the frightening realities of being an adult in the 21st century. Stay with us and keep listening if you dare. And now, episode 2, Fear. of phobias and fears as a little kid, a whole slew of them. Um, I was really scared of my grandpa. Um, like, he wasn't a very nice grandpa. Like, he was a pretty scary man. But I think the one I have the most vivid uh, was, like, being left alone. I once woke up and my dad, who was still with my mom at the time, I was maybe like four or five, and he had taken my brother and sister to run an errand, and I had fallen asleep on the couch. And I guess from his perspective as like an adult, he's like, oh, we're just going to the corner store and we'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes. Like, it's not that long. And he took a lot of delight in like pranking people and like frightening children and stuff. Um, And what was really scary was that it, like these sort of like gags that he was presenting, like it wasn't clear like whether or not this, these were things that applied to him in particular or just like were sort of like symptoms of old age. But I ended up waking up in the time that they were gone and no one was in the house. And I called out everyone's name and I, it was this big house in Mississauga, like a huge new subdevelopment. I walked into every room and I opened up all the closets and I knew I was alone and then I started like crying and freaking out and when they came home I was like full on crazy. I had like thrown the pillows everywhere off of the, like the seat cushions everywhere and I was like, I, I guess knocked over some cereal boxes, I don't know, like I was freaking out so I like don't really know what my logic was in that like because obviously if I was truly alone I would have needed that to survive. Like for example he would like spit his teeth out, <clears throat> like you'd be eating a meal with him and then he'd be like check this out and he would like cough his teeth like onto his plate um, or he would um, 
he would like like do weird things with his muscles. He'd be like, look at what my, and he would like sort of like pop his muscles out of their sockets and stuff. Or like, he was a big fan of like hiding behind doors and surprising you or like, like driving and pretending to fall asleep. And I wasn't sure, like it wasn't clear if like, that that was just his personality or that like these are things that happen to you when you get old um so yeah i found grandpa very scary i don't remember being afraid as a little kid i i loved goosebumps remember Goosebumps, um, the R.L. Stein novels, and then TV show. Um, it, lots of like being stuck in a mall at night and then everything coming alive, that kind of thing, that was like good scary, like normal good scary. I can't remember when that turned into actually not being able to sit through a a horror movie. Uh, when I was a kid, we had this lobster puppet that, that was supposed to be a toy, and I, I have no idea why, but it, it terrified the hell out of me. Like, I hated this thing. And my parents, and specifically my parents' friends, thought this was, like, really funny. So my parents' friends would come over just to torment me with this puppet. And the funnier it was for them, like, the worse it got for me. I, I have no idea why it was. Like, I had nothing against the ocean or fish or whatever. Maybe just the particular design of this toy. Uh, probably more than anything, it was being afraid of adults laughing at my discomfort. Um, yeah, other, I mean, other than that, I don't know that there was any one thing that I was generally afraid of other, other than like actually kind of adults hated having to talk to an adult as a kid that was terrifying i am terrified of snakes i uh yeah i grew up in in the country on a farm so i i had a lot of snakes around me uh we used to catch them when i was a kid i was i was fine with them at first we had we would catch garter snakes and red bellies and we would put them in in uh, different tubs while we were going haying and then one day, my childhood best friend, Matt, he, he was looking in and somehow a garter snake just like latched on to his cheek. And I just remember him looking up and screaming with this snake hanging off of his face. And that really, uh, that really changed the game for me when it came to snakes. Um, so I would, <laughs> they would come up on our back. We had this like back cement thing that was on top of a well. And these big, gigantic garter snakes would go up there to sun themselves. And my swing was out back there. And so I would take my, my dad's big fire boots and a hockey stick <laughs> and get the snakes off of the, uh, of the concrete with a hockey stick and these big rubber boots. I think I remember being afraid of the dark, the kind of general fear, and also 
the furnace room in my parents' house in the basement, right at the bottom of the stairs. The door to it was always open, and it was always dark, and you, know, you could always sort of see glimpses of the furnace inside. And I remember having this kind of idea of a monster in there. Like this, I don't know if I saw a picture of this or something in a movie, but there was an image in my head that was sort of like um, a gorilla with a with like a bloody mouth, and I think I had an idea that 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 was in the furnace room. Gorilla with a bloody mouth. Sharks. Um, in second grade, a boy dressed up as a shark for Halloween, and I had dressed up as a cat. And in a show of flirtation, he traced me around the yard um, as a shark, like trying to catch my tail, literally chasing tail. And I kind of developed this this fear of sharks because of like the way that they could maneuver and like how you couldn't out out swim them or outsmart them. Like if they want to get you, they will get you. And so like people swimming underwater towards me in a pool would like freak me out. Cause there was just like, you're so unwieldy in the water. Like what, what are you supposed to do? Uh, I was babysitting when I was living in New York and I took the, the little guy that I was babysitting to like the Bronx Zoo. And he wanted to go in to see the big gigantic snakes and I just couldn't do it. I could not be around a snake that was bigger than I was because my hockey stick wouldn't be no match for it. It'd be like a toothpick. And fish. Yeah, like fish looking at me, um, seeing fish in the fish store, um, scooping fish out of the fish tank when it needed to be cleaned. Um, yeah, I find fish creepy. Yeah, they lived in a in a big tank, and um, every now and again, like awful things would happen to them. Like um, sometimes they would kill each other. We bought a crab once, and the crab started murdering the fish. That's pretty bad. Um, one time we cleaned the fish tank, but we forgot to put the filter back on the. Uh, like the filter back on the pump that pumps the water and purifies the water so like all the fish got sucked up into the pump and, and killed so yeah it was, it was it was just like these sort of like alien creatures living and sometimes like horrible things would happen to them yeah I think like probably being alone or like being left alone because also then like later even as I grew, grew older if like I wandered away from my parents at a store or something and then was a lot, like I'd have reminiscent feelings of being like, oh no, I'm never gonna find them again. And then that like paralyzing fear of like, you can't actually, because I've been taught not to talk to strangers. So then I was like, there's no way out of this problem because I can't talk to any of the adults who are wandering around the store to tell them I'm lost. So then I would just cry in the toy department of like wherever I was and then some employee would find me usually and be like, are you lost? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm lost. And then they would, they, something would happen. Uh, I'd usually be reunited with my mom and 
or my sister or somebody from my family, it would be such like a big moment for me. I remember a commercial that had a very sort of old-fashioned spooky music cue, just sort of like da da. And I remember running out of the room screaming, and it was just a commercial. Um, but I could tell that it was referencing something scary, and I couldn't handle that. I could not handle horror or upsetting things at all. And I think for me, when um, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, when Christopher Lloyd like grabs that shoe and like puts it like, I thought that was the most upsetting thing I could imagine. Like I couldn't believe that it was in a movie and I remember like ranting about it to my mom. I was like, and they put it in a movie for children. Like it's such a, because the shoe was a cartoon and it's squeak, I don't know. Like everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? It's such an upsetting scene. And I was very, very frightened of, I don't, yeah, like I had a, I had a low tolerance for scary things, even movies that like Ghostbusters or The Witches, like teachers would put it on in class because there were a couple days left and they just needed to burn through it. But yeah, I found any kind of scene of anybody getting murdered, anybody being terrorized, ghosts, like I couldn't, I couldn't handle any of it. Things about um, vampires always fascinated me and also really scared me. I remember all of the nightmares that I had uh, as a little kid would be about both vampires and television. There was this vampire show that I remember was on YTV when I was a kid about like a, a little boy who became friends with another little boy who was a vampire. And I had, and I was, I was intrigued by the show, but I was also too scared to watch it. And I had a nightmare where two of the vampire characters from the show came into my bedroom while I was sleeping and wheeled in a TV on one of those old like stands with wheels like from a classroom and just started making me watch episodes of their show. Um, so as a consequence, I missed that big 80s boom of horror. Like my sister and her friends were always watching Nightmare on Elm Street and all those movies and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I just like hid from it. Um, and then I don't really know why, but while well, I was older, I was like, 16, 18 years old, I went back and I started watching all the horror movies that I've missed. Um, and I'm not really sure why, what what came out, I don't know, I guess I had just like had some life experience that was more hardened and then I, it was almost like I was challenging myself because all these movies that I thought were so scary when I was a kid turned out to be not scary at all. My friends think it's really funny how afraid of scary movies I am. Um, and they invited me around for a party, as you do. Um, and I got there. <clears throat> and they're like, okay, we're gonna watch a movie. 
Everybody gather around. Here's some popcorn. Um, and they made me watch Leprechaun 2. I really used to be uh, afraid of social situations. Um, I would always be afraid that I was going to say the wrong thing or getting to know new people was kind of terrifying. Which for me was terrifying. I can't handle suspense at all. Um, it's mostly, I think, the music that gets me. Um, and then also these, the same group of friends paid me to watch or paid for my ticket to watch that last Ethan Hawke scary movie, Insidious. They, they, they paid for my ticket to see Insidious and I, I left before the end and I waited for them in the lobby. Uh, yeah, so I'd always find like I'd hug the back and they'd just get really quiet and be very shy, which, um, which there are so many amazing human beings out there that you could talk to. It's, it's, uh, I'm really happy that I've overcome that because just getting to know somebody even for a brief moment is really worth it. And yeah, I'm glad I conquered that fear and stopped thinking so much about what other people would think or if I would say something that would offend them or they think I was stupid or something. And I started getting more and more into horror movies because I was trying to find if I watched a movie that was actually frightening or actually shocking to me, that was a really like special experience. So my friends and I were getting into like like really like like foreign stuff and kind of like Mondo horror from Japan. We would order them from um, oh shoot, what's the name of that company? Bruce would get like sort of like catalogs of forbidden movies and we'd order them and like pay like 26 bucks between us for like a VHS tape that would arrive in the mail like months later. And we tried to watch just the, the weirdest, grossest, scariest movies that we could find, but nothing would like crack around. I feel like I hate horror movies. I have no interest in watching them. And I don't think I've watched a horror movie since I was a kid. I watched a lot of them when I was younger because my brother and sister are so much older than me. So they watched, I remember watching Outbreak as like a seven year old or an eight year old and then having nightmares for like two weeks and I thought Morgan Freeman was in all of my dreams and monkeys were gonna take over the world. And I hate, and so I never wanna, and I think I watched The Ring in high school with a group of girlfriends and Scream. And I think that's like, those are the movies I remember watching, but I can't remember the last time I actively was like, oh, I'm gonna go out and watch a horror movie. And now that I'm older, I'm scared again, and I don't really know why it happened, but now I find horror movies really scary, and I feel very pleased about that. I really like being scared of a movie. I like feeling my own capacity to be scared. And I feel like horror movies more than any other movies like trigger intense emotions in me that I like feeling. I love a horror movie that actually scares me. That's I, I find that like a really enjoyable experience. Doesn't happen all that much. I, I, I think like to really be scared by horror movies as an adult, you have to have been watching them as a kid. And I would get so scared by horror movies as a kid that they were like firmly banned in our household. So from the ages of like, I don't know, eight to 18, never watched 
any horror and then like trying to watch it now I, I, I feel like I've missed out on something in the horror movie development scale it doesn't always work for me I also remember when I was in grade 5 I went to a sleepover party with a bunch of boys and they were all in grade 6 and they wanted to watch Candyman and Candyman 2 as a double bill and I could not handle that. Even just the idea of it when we were at the video store, I knew that there was no way I was going to be able to do it. And the boy's house we were at, his mother was there with us, and I think she realized that this was going to be a problem for me. So she sort of took me aside, and we rented Diamonds Are Forever, and I went to go watch that, and she let me watch that in her bedroom on her TV while the other boys were all downstairs watching Candyman and Candyman 2. And a couple of times I walked through the room to, I don't know, get some popcorn or a juice or something and saw just moments of the Candyman films. And it was the, the bees and the hooks and the blood and I, I couldn't handle it at all. I think I'm afraid of heights, but I don't have such a phobia of heights that I can't, that I like need to talk to a therapist and like work through it. And like some people are really afraid of heights and they like need to take medication when they go on a plane and stuff. I don't have any of those, but I think I am afraid of heights. Like I've always had a thing about heights. Uh, I wanna like go hang gliding. So if I was gonna do something, that scares me with, with the goal being something that's gonna benefit me, something that's something to better myself. Um, this isn't particularly exciting, but it would be going back to the dentist. It's probably been over a year. So last time I was at the dentist, I have a huge dental phobia, like, and have since at least my late teens. Like, anytime I have to go, it's just, just the hours leading up to it are like the worst experience in my life. So, yeah, I would probably just be booking that dentist appointment. And, God, it, like just saying that even like tensing up a little bit. I guess I would make something and show it to people. That's like the idea of that makes me want to cry. It's so scary. Like I get all like in my chest and full of adrenaline at the thought of it. So that's probably the thing I would do. Um, and so like, if I, I would both find it thrilling and terrifying to be somewhere where I'd have to like jump out of something or, yeah. I don't like any of those rides where they're really high up and they just like drop you suddenly. I like the rides that like take you on loops or like you go up a hill and then you go down. That's fairly okay. But it's the ones where you go really, they just take you an extreme amount of height. Um, or even those ones that have a really big hill. Like, cause most hills are pretty medium. They're not, they're not that scary. Like, you're like, I can see. Yeah, but the ones that are like, this is the biggest hill in a roller coaster since like all hills ever. And you're like, oh God. And you, you keep going up and up and up and up and up and you can feel, it's like you're climbing several stories of a tall office building and you can see like 
in front of you for miles and then you're like a bitch. I'm like, no, I don't like that. I've always been scared of blood, especially my own blood. Um, I'm just someone if that if I cut my finger and it's bleeding a lot, um, I sort of break out into a cold sweat and I feel faint and I kind of have to lie down and I think I can think of a few times where I've been somewhere in public and, and cut myself like that and it's the most terrible feeling and it's very embarrassing too because I feel like I, I am going to faint and, and be found with just like a slightly bleeding finger you know not a serious injury um, but it's I don't know, my mother's the same way. I think like there's just like something in our family where we, we're not really built to handle it. I remember one time too, coming home and Adam had cut himself somehow. I can't remember why. Man, you're useless. Well there, and he was like, oh, come help me. I'm, I'm bleeding and I could use some help. Yeah, I was relieved to see you because I, I like sliced my finger open. And I was trying to, like, I just needed some help because I'd, like, bled all over the bathroom. I was, like, mm -hmm. just trying to wrap it up. Like, it wasn't a big cut, but it was a deep cut. And then when the door opened and Johnny came in, I felt super relieved. And I was like, oh, at least I don't have to, like, deal with this on my own. But as soon as I, like, showed him my finger, he just, like, ran away from me. It was turned really white. Yeah, it wasn't, it was more, I think, seeing actually... There was blood all over the floor. There was blood all over the apartment. Yeah. And coming home to that was incredibly upsetting. And I, yeah, I know I was no help. I, I ran away because I, I felt like I was gonna vomit or pass out or something. I don't know, it's yeah, just a... Yeah, I can't go on any, on any roller coasters. Um, I dream about them. I have, I have dreams about, I guess, having to go on them and doing okay, but being super scared while I'm on them. So I have, um, I have vertigo, which is a thing, um, particularly in spaces where um, either through like lighting or architectural details, it's clear to me, like a distance is made clear. Like if I'm in the balcony of a theater and a spotlight is shining over my head and I can see the entire train of, of the spotlight all the way down to the stage, like just sort of clearly delineating how far you could fall if you fall out of this balcony or if people are doing like sort of risky things on uh, like on or near railings. Like I went to a concert once and I was sitting two rows back from this woman and she was sitting right at the very edge of the balcony and she would stand up and like, she was sort of dancing about, she seemed kind of drunk. She would lean over the balcony to like yell at Hoxley Workman. And she just like, and I had no way of like contacting her or doing anything. Like I just had to watch for the entire show as she just sort of like crawled around on the balcony. Um, so that really freaked me out. Am I the only person who's scared of their own skeleton? I think so. <laughs> it's very silly. And also I have, and I used to think this was totally weird, but a lot of people have told me that they feel it too. It's reverse vertigo, 
which is kind of like it, it happens if there's a really big skyscape um, and it's kind of this it's like the exact opposite it's this weird feeling that you are going to like come onward from gravity and be like sucked up into the sky like if somebody releases like a helium balloon into the sky and you watch like the helium balloon get like smaller and smaller and go away can't handle it super terrifying I get scared when I think about the future and realize I'm not particularly prepared for it. But more than that, that I'm not really prepared to even start getting prepared, if that makes sense. I'm terrified of spending the, the last years of my life without the resources to take care of myself. You know, I've seen that happen to a, a, a few people I love. And, you know, it's when you really sit down and start looking at when you have to start preparing to make sure that doesn't happen, I'm probably already behind. And that, that scares me a lot. I'm afraid of, in the future, all of the people I'm going to have to be taking care of. Like, I'm an only child, got two parents that like live in different places. You know, a loving partner, future babies, a cat with potential diabetes. You know, like, I'm just, am I going to have to take care of all of it? And I'm wondering if, like, you feel that pressure as well? Or is it, like, just me? A lot scares me about the future. Everything and then nothing. I don't know. It's There's, like, two levels of fear about the future, I feel like. The macro sense of, like the global warming crisis and the world and what the politics of our landscape um, will be, like what will the world look like that we, I will live in in two decades from now when I'll be 50. I, I fear that everything we're doing in this generation is sort of pointless, like we had this sort of model of living that we are observing breaking down. Um, and I don't know, I think like my biggest fear right now is that all this stuff I'm doing now is ultimately just like a waste of time, that there is no way to like corner a secure money future for me and my family. And that, like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm gonna, like, go out looting or anything, but that maybe, like, a, a, a huge disaster, which I would have, like, absolutely no capacity to prevent, is coming. And all the things that are important to me now, and all the things that I've been working for, will just become pointless, like there will be like no more money, like no more laws, um, stuff like that. That's scary because there's a huge gap in the who has resources and who doesn't have resources. There's a lot more have-nots than haves, and there's not a lot of, sh we don't live in a sharing world, we live in a greedy, 
there's more people who have more wealth, but they control more. Um, so I'm like, and then there's like the global like warming crisis, and there's all this like war happening, and and refuge like parts of the world are falling apart in ways that we've never seen happen before in history. So I guess I'm like, what will that ring for us at, in the future? Um, and that's like on a macro humanity sense. And then on a micro individual sense, I guess I'm like afraid of, like, will I live Will technology and health advance? That'll make me live for much longer than I would care to live for. Um, so I would say, like, I, I don't know, we're definitely, like, in this sort of period of anxiety. I feel like I've lost my train of thought on this. It sounds like you're holding out for an apocalypse. I think we're all kind of holding out for an apocalypse. Or I think, like, I think when... I think people are entertaining the thought of an apocalypse and I think like they've been entertaining the thought of an apocalypse so long that like the apocalypse narrative has spit into spin into all these sort of permutations some of which are like sort of surprisingly positive will there robots to be taking care of me if I have Alzheimer's and what will that look like and like I don't want to have robots take care of me and like people like to play, like people are circulating things like what would you do in the apocalypse? Like who would your friends be in the apocalypse? And like pick out like the five things you'll take with you into like Earth's last day. But if I had those big boots on, like I felt like I could do anything in those boots, you know? And with a hockey stick. There's something about being armed with a hockey stick that kind of makes you invincible. I just don't know. Like, we're, this, the world is a changing place, and I just don't know where I, I see myself in it. And I guess that's what scares me so much, is like, I can't see that, can't envision it. How are we going to support ourselves for the rest of our lives? How are we going to have children and sustain them and keep them alive? Why would we even want to do that? <laughs> um, uh, Donald Trump becoming president? Um, sharks. Like, I feel like my the generations before me had a sense of that. And they're like, well, you get old, and you retire, and you travel the world, and then you die. And then you're like, and it was a very simple handbook. I don't think that handbook is applicable anymore. Like, I don't know, like, there's, there's a kind of... I think people are also, like, feeling kind of, like sick of the stress of sort of maintaining things like like a career and all your money and like it's always like there's been so much like economic bad news over the past 10 years and no really clear indicator that our current like capitalist system will right itself so I think maybe sometimes uh, like a couple of people want to like skip to the end you know <laughs> like like if this capitalist system that we labor under is actually inherently flawed and like a decade away from collapsing on itself like why not picture yourself in an exciting new life where you're like literally defending your family from death in like a woodsy cabin i think it's interesting how 
our word for that though is apocalypse. We toss around like these apocalypse scenarios, but it's not really about the end of the world. It's just about a different paradigm. Yeah, we have this idea that like the apocalypse happens, but we're all still alive, and our family and friends are still alive, and now we're farmers or something. Well, it's I, not th- really I think an most people's apocalypse though is like you're alive, and most of the people you know are dead, right? Like, it's very. Narcissistic. It is very narcissistic, but I think it's, I think it's a lot about like trading the anxiety and kind of like, like boring, banal horrors of a world that you can't control for shoulder pads and a spiky hair. Exactly, like a well, a world where like even though like your life is shit, you at least have all the agency you want. Like you can kill whoever you want, you can take whatever you want. All of your problems are like solvable by you or you'll die. It's almost like a, I don't know, like a nostalgia. It's definitely a more simplistic way of thinking about life. And you don't have to work anymore. Oh, the unknown. Um, the unknown aspect of the future, I think, is is really exciting uh, because it has infinite possibility and equally as terrifying for the same reason. Uh, yeah, I don't want to know what's going to happen, but the fact that I don't know what's going to happen is really scary. This has been We Muse Aloud. Thank you again for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, please bring it to the attention of someone you love. Rating and reviewing We Muse Aloud on iTunes would be tremendously helpful, since it will make it more visible to new listeners. Follow us at facebook.com slash wemusealoud, and on Twitter at wemusealoud. This episode's contributing voices are Gillian Welsh, Nancy Drew, Johnny Walker, Adam Burrett, Ron Kelly, Peter Parker, and Mary Jane Watson. Here is an interesting side note. The dialogue in this episode forms an acrostic poem that spells out the same phrase over and over. Everything is going to be fine. 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 Everything is going to be fine.